This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, April 28th. I'm Virginia Allen. And I'm Doug Blair. On today's show, Rachel Del Judas talks with Arizona Representative Paul Gosar. They discuss how the immigration crisis is impacting the people of Arizona and all of America. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now, on to our top news. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have released new guidelines for mask wearing. The CDC says that vaccinated individuals now only need to wear a mask when they are in a large crowd of strangers, such as at a concert or a sporting event. No one needs to wear a mask when running, biking, or doing other outdoor activities alone or with members of their household. Individuals can also go maskless at small outdoor gatherings with people who are vaccinated. The CDC recommends that everyone still wear a mask at indoor gatherings, like while shopping or going to a restaurant. More than a third of all U.S. individuals have been fully vaccinated. U.S. Special Envoy for Climate Change John Kerry is denying he disclosed secret information concerning Israeli military actions in Syria during a conversation with an Iranian official. Both Iran International and the New York Times reported on a secret recording of Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif, revealing that Zarif claimed that Kerry, who served as Secretary of State under President Barack Obama, had told him that Israeli forces had struck more than 200 Iranian targets in Syria. According to the Daily Caller, it is not clear whether the attacks in Syria were public knowledge at the time, but Zarif says that he heard the news first from Kerry. Currently, there is no confirmation of when the alleged conversation between Zarif and Kerry took place. Some Republicans have responded to the allegations against Kerry by calling for his resignation. Senator Marsha Blackburn, in an interview with Fox News, suggested an investigation. Kerry tweeted, I can tell you that this story and these allegations are unequivocally false. This never happened, either when I was Secretary of State or since. Idaho lawmakers have rejected critical race theory education programs. Earlier this week, the Idaho State Senate passed legislation to prevent public schools, charter schools, or colleges from teaching critical race theory. Critical race theory promotes an ideology that all human conflict is driven by race and that whites use their privilege to oppress people of color. The bill has already passed the Idaho House and passed the Senate 27 to 8. Idaho Republican Senator Carl Crabtree sponsored the bill and says the legislation does not intend to prohibit discussion in an open and free way. Now stay tuned for Rachel Gel Judas's conversation with Arizona Representative Paul Gosar as they discuss the immigration crisis. Americans use firearms to defend themselves between 500,000 and 2 million times every year. But God forbid that my mother is ever faced with a scenario where she has to stop a threat to her life. But if she is, I hope politicians protected by professional armed security didn't strip her of the right to use the firearm she can handle most competently. To watch the rest of heritage expert Amy Swear's testimony on assault weapons before the House Judiciary Committee, head to the Heritage Foundation YouTube channel. There you'll find talks, events, and documentaries backed with the reputation of the nation's most broadly supported public policy research institute. Start watching now at heritage.org slash YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and share.
We're joined again on The Daily Signal by Congressman Paul Gosar of Arizona. Congressman Gosar, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Well, I wanted to talk about some news that's uh, kicking off today and will be a top of conversation. We'll talk a lot about immigration, but to start off, to talk about a little bit about election integrity, the state of Arizona is starting their election audit today. Can you tell us about what is going on in that process? Yeah, so we've gotten through all the lawsuits. Yeah, now they're in possession. The state Senate is in possession of the paper ballots and the machines. They had to be moved to the Coliseum. Um, so they uh, started their audit today. Um, so we'll see, you know, particularly when uh, troubling information came about with uh, one audit for 100 random ballots showed 3% error rate, which was over 90,000 ballots in the state of Mar- or in the uh, county of Maricopa. When they did further 2,500 uh, random uh, duplicate ballots, that they didn't even finish that, and there was a uh, uh, rate of failure of 17%. That's a big number, and so there's every every slick in the road, every rock in the road has been placed in front of them. But the audit starts today, and the facts will set you free. Well, also in Arizona news, but kind of moving to the immigration debate, uh, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey recently announced that he's deploying the National Guard to the state of Arizona, and he's declared a state of emergency because of what's happening at the border. Can you tell us about, in your perspective, what's happening and why he made this decision to do this? We're being overrun. I mean, I was down in Yuma uh, a week and a half ago, and we saw coyotes just bring children over and just to give themselves up. One coyote in the evening, uh, she brought in two young boys, 7 and 10, and five girls, 11 to 17, none of them related. They were being overwhelmed. And you saw the mayor of Gila, uh, uh, Gila County basically say, they have no room at the end. They have, they've run out of resources. And uh, uh, when you see these family units, all the uh, workers for CBP, the Border Patrol, have to be focused on those individuals. Uh, there's four to five times the people in, the, in custody that are supposed to be in custody. They're not complying with COVID. They're not testing for COVID. We have a national security. We have a humanitarian crisis. We have a healthcare crisis. And the Biden administration, uh, who's uh, put Ms. Harris in charge of it, now is not going to be coming to the border anytime soon. First time she's going to do something is go down to the Triangle uh, countries in June. This is an epidemic. This is a, this is a crisis right now, and we need action. So I applaud Governor Ducey for doing that. But we're Arizona. We're not Texas. We don't have the same kind of resources. So we're going to have to demand from the federal government they reimburse us for that the, the money that we have to spend for our National Guard. Well, speaking of the crisis that you mentioned, Reuters had a report out recently that said that over a million migrants are expected to come through the country over the border from Mexico into the U.S. this year. Would you say this is unprecedented? It is, particularly when we just talked about the highest month that we had. It was 172,000 just in March alone, with over 20,000 children, the highest number ever. And as I said, if we're catching only one out of every two crossing the border, because the invitation's been wide open. You know, we've caught people from Yemen that are on the terrorist watch list. We've caught people from almost every nationality coming across the border. A million or two million may be small in numbers because if you're, if you're catching one out of every two, you're talking about 350,000 people that came in March alone. Well, the Biden administration are asking ICE and CBP to stop using the term illegal alien. What is your perspective of this and what do you think should happen? Should they be called that? What, the, what should they be called? They're, they're illegal. They're aliens from another country. So from that standpoint, they, you know, the term matters. 
they're trying to make this so that, uh, once again, utilizing a term, redefining a term, so it's more plausible and being accepted by people. Uh, they're running under the old Linsky rules that basically says you pass on a word or a falsehood, you say it enough, people adopt it as truth. Well, before we got started here, we were talking a little bit about the situation of the drug crisis at the border and even in the rest of the country due to illegal immigration. Can you tell us about how this crisis impacts the people of Arizona as well as beyond? Yeah, so as these family units are detaining all the uh, and occupying all the Border Patrol's attention, we see the mules now bringing through large dumps of uh, the drugs. In fact, one confiscation last week. Uh, fentanyl is more than was confiscated all of last year under the border. Just one. We're coming off of COVID where we've had higher incidence of uh, drug overdoses, um, suicide, domestic violence. So all we're doing is we're, in, in, we're empowering the, the cartels to have operational control of the border. No one crosses that border without the cartels knowing it. And so what we're now is, is we're complicit with aiding and abetting cartels in human smuggling, because these people never get away from this. Once you're part of the cartel, under their wraps, you'll never get away. Um, number two is now the, the drug aspects are just coming across fast and furiously. I use that with pun intended. But it's coming right and left. And, you know, we're harboring all this and we're not following the rule of law. And then Congress is, is making it worse by putting forward amnesty bills when we're allowing people to violate our law, go past, go collect $200 to become a citizen, when the people waiting in line are the, the better way to look at. Are there any stories from your Arizona constituents about how they have been impacted or harmed by the cartels in your home state? I, you know, I can tell you right now, uh, Gila Bend, the city um, that doesn't have a lot of resources, their mayor is up in arms. He's, he can't they have no resources to take care of these people. And they're being just dropped off right and left. Um, you're starting to see some counties around the country that are saying, listen, nope, we're not taking these individuals. Uh, but uh, as I stated, uh, we were there a week and a half ago. We saw the coyotes bringing children across, giving themselves up. Um, we watched them plan it early morning across the way um, at, at the, uh, uh, the bridge. And uh, the resources are just not there. So they're not even being able to inventory, finger, fingerprint them, do DNA samples. They're just turning them loose, putting them on buses. If they can get a bus ride where, where they can go. Some of these kids have bracelets, and these bracelets are people identifying them where they'll be picked up in the United States and taken somewhere else. Once again, probably to have a life servitude. What are the constituents, uh, your constituents in Arizona, saying about what is happening at the border right now? What are you hearing from them? They're in up in arms because they see the degradation not only in the environment, the trash that's coming, uh, the proliferation of uh, human trafficking and exploitation. I mean, how can you look at yourself in the mirror when you know this is going on, when you know the cartels know that this is part of their business model and to actually extort children and pass that child around? How can you look at yourself in the eyes and say, this is a condoned practice. So they're up in arms. We're a country. A country is defined by defendable borders. A country has the ability to say how many people come in and how many they exit uh, in a given time frame. Uh, and we were always known as the rule of law, where equal application of the law was very important. Here we see a degradation of the rule of law. 
and therefore one group gets precedence over another. That's totally wrong, and they're up in arms about it. Do Arizona residents, do they feel safe? Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons why you see the Second Amendment so prominent here. I mean, particularly when you go along the borders to the ranchers that I've been around. You know, they have them running right and left. The Second Amendment is a big deal to people here because um, if you're waiting on law enforcement in many of these places, you're, you're going to be a, a story with a, with a report. That's it. So they defend themselves. So from that standpoint, we're being overrun. And they also see this government trying to put a curb on their way of self-defense, uh, the Second Amendment. And uh, they want to have that inherently built as, as one of their principles, uh, freedom of speech and freedom of the Second Amendment to defend it. What needs to be done to turn this crisis at this border around? What do you think needs to happen? Well, it, we didn't have this problem with uh, Donald Trump at the end of his, uh, his, uh, t- his term. You know, he ended the hold in Mexico until your asylum claims can be adjudicated. Even the president of Mexico has alluded to this, saying this is this is out of control. He's got problems over there with the Mexican side aspects. But we saw a mere trickle of people coming across here. Now, you know, once again, is is Article 42 in regards to the COVID pandemic, you know, and if you're from Mexico, you return to Mexico immediately. Doesn't matter if you're children, family, you go back to Mexico. So there's some very easy things to do, but you got to love this country more than you hate Donald Trump. What are you hearing from law enforcement, so sheriffs, sheriff deputies, others in your state about the situation at hand? I know CBP mainly deals with the migrants crossing the border, but a lot of these local sheriffs do have to address the situation one way or another. It impacts them as well. So what are you hearing from them? They're overrun. They, once again, they have limited resources, limited cells. Um, they're trying their best, but once again, it comes down to the, the contract that the federal government had with the states that they were supposed to defend the borders of this country and making sure that the things got done accordingly. Now, you know, some of the things that I think are coming, I think you're going to see the walls start coming back, uh, being built. And part of that is, is that Congress authorized the wall to be built. And the executive branch is forced to adjudicate that. And I think the courts will see it that way. So you may be able to see the, the wall being built again. But we just got to get back to that common sense aspect of following the rule of the law. They're already on the books, not changing it, not, not doing it because you hated the previous administration. But that also tells you what the previous, this, this administration wants. They're on a, on, a, on a fast track to tearing this country apart, and not only from its immigration laws, but the lack of enforcement of laws. And then looking at D.C. statehood today, and looking at the Second Amendment, uh, putting curbs and, and taxes on Second Amendments, and then uh, you know, spend our spending uh, into oblivion. Well, lastly, Congressman Gosar, what kind of risk does the country run if this immigration crisis isn't turned around? Well, then, then what we were told were 11 million illegals in the in the in the shadows. We're going to talk about 40 million people in the shadows. And there'll be a big push to legalize them, let them come out like the DACA uh, individuals. And you have a whole different analogy of a country. You have more people dependent upon the federal government, which is exactly what the left wants. They need people dependent upon the federal government. Remember, you can't hire an illegal. They're not, they're, they're not getting Social Security. They're not getting benefits here. So somehow, some way, they're violating the law here. And... If you don't like the law, change the law, but don't just don't, don't don't override it. So our fundamental concept on numerous fronts, the rule of law, 
the integrity of this country, sovereign borders, invalidating uh, the way we have proper immigration processes in this country, they're all invalid. And then the other thing we're doing is, is we're also providing cheap labor, cheaper labor to the big platforms and stuff like that. There's programs out there that, like the OPT program, which incentivizes these big corporations to bring in foreign workers that they pay much less and that they get a 15.5% discount. That's the withholding taxes uh, on behalf of the big employers. That's what goes to our Social Security and Medicare. And isn't it interesting that Medicare is now insolvency, has moved in and moved up to 2024. They're not paying their fair share. And this is all being done at the expense of the American citizen. Well, Congressman Gosar, thank you for being with us on The Daily Signal. It's great having you with us. Thanks, Rachel. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Daily Signal podcast. You can find The Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.